thankful Lord that we have a God that we can depend upon that can come to us during our storm and walk to our boat where we're at Lord and speak words of life to us we just ask Lord that you'd come tonight and you would just speak to our hearts and our lives you would meet us Lord here today Lord as only you can do we just ask Father you reach down and touch each and every need and every situation Lord, a man can turn the Bible, these pages of a Bible, a child could do it, but it takes you to anoint it. It takes you to speak, Father. And we just commit ourselves in your hands, Lord, and everything to be said and done for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's turn to Isaiah 53 and verse 1. Amen. I'd just like to say it's good to be back home again and be with the you tonight, I still feel like I'm somewhere halfway in between here and there, but uh, we're just glad to be home. Amen. We had wonderful meetings, and the Lord done some really wonderful things in the youth camp that we spoke at there on the first weekend with Brother David Iverson, and we just really appreciate Brother David and his stand for the move of the supernatural, amen, and to have a place and atmosphere, amen, very, very similar to our youth camp and what we do and what we stand for. And I appreciate men of God like that. That'll give a young person an opportunity to have their own experience with God. And so, amen, God just came down in a mighty way. We had um, Brother uh, brother Guido that had just passed away there. He was a real soldier for the cross and had just went on. And, and uh, one of his sons that had been wayward had come. He's a, he's a man that's married and has children, I believe. And but he'd come to the meetings, and the Lord had been dealing with his heart since his father's death. And that Saturday night he came up, or no, no sorry, Friday night he came up and was prayed for there at the altar and gave his heart back to the Lord. And man, the power of God just fell upon him. And he told me later, he said, "I, I don't know." What was going on? He said, I've never had this experience before, but he said, I heard as, I, as I, he just had both hands up shouting and, and just praising God. Went on for around 10 or so minutes or more. And he said, but as that was happening, he said, both ears, I heard the most beautiful singing I'd ever heard in my life. And he said, my, I thought, wow, these, these sisters are really singing wonderfully. And, and they went back to the tapes and realized there wasn't anybody singing. But I believe it was joy in the presence of angels. Amen. That a sinner had found his way back to the God and had repented. And we just thank the Lord for that. And amen. God just done so many things and so many testimonies are coming from it. Brother Danny Steeman was there and Brother Rap Crook as well. And, and everything just worked together very good. And we're just thankful that God has his hand in those things. And, and he came and he ministered to hearts and lives. Amen. And as we said, we're glad to be back. Amen. It was also the next weekend at Brother David Mayer's, and he brings, he sends back his greetings to you. Amen. The mayor 
So we're just love him and thankful also for him and his love for the Lord. That's what they read here in Isaiah 53 and verse 1 and also Proverbs 10 and verse 22. It says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. And he hath no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and, griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet did, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Also Proverbs 10 and verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Amen. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. Amen. We let you be seated this evening. We had went to this meeting there with Brother David Iverson. His church had been putting on this camp for, I don't know, close to 30 years. And the Lord has really used it in that area. But afterwards, Brother Danny Steeman, we went together with our wives. And and we had an opportunity to go to uh, Paris for a few days and and take in some sights there. And I had an opportunity to visit a place outside, actually it was a few, I don't know, 30 or 40 minute train ride outside of Paris. It's called the Palace of Versailles. It was a palace that King Louis the Fourteenth built during his reign of France. And my, it, it was, the grandeur of it was just overwhelming, the things that he had done and and the gold and, the, and the, that was there, the lavishness of it, the paintings that was on the ceiling all over the place. And, you know, I was amazed how he built the palace with all the gardens and the beauty that it held. And, but even with all of his glory, it had an end. Even though he lived way past the average lifespan in that time, it was a temporary kingdom. And even though through sorrow he tried to keep his kingdom, he tried to keep his riches. You know, I, afterwards I went and visited there. I was, I was looking at some things about him and what he had done. And, and it was in a very tumultuous time of France. He brought France together, but he was a very wicked, wicked as far as immoral king. But, you know, I read where he was always worried about someone trying to take it, his kingdom from him. Till he was very, actually became a very paranoid person that he trusted nobody or anything. And he was rich, but he had plenty of sorrows. He was a king, but he still worried. That what his riches, you know, that's what the riches of this world produce. With more money comes more worries. Uh, with more lands, with more things, it becomes, you know, more that you got to worry about and upkeep. You know, how, how am I going to keep what I have or how am I going to not lose what I've got? Who can I trust? You know, what can I trust? And, and in First Timothy 6, you know, Paul speaking here, he says, For we brought nothing into this world, and so we certainly will take nothing out of it. 
and having food and raiment, let us be therewith content, for they that be rich fall into temptation and snares and to many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. For thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness and godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickened all things before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable under the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in times he shall show who is blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, of whom man is seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Charge them that are rich in the world that they not be high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth richly all things to enjoy. That they, that, and that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. The riches given of God is the only riches that never fade or decay. And the Lord is the only one who has the blessing of immortality. The Lord blesses, blessings makes one rich, but the scripture said it's without sorrow. And you know, as I begin to look into this king, the King Louis' life, he could hardly trust no one. There was not one man that he felt he could trust, but there was one man he could felt he could trust. It was his closest advisor and friend who had forsaken everything to be right at his side every day and every night. And it was this man that the king would grant to sit with him in a chair only reserved for a king. And then that day, no one was to sit in the presence of a king in the chair, in a chair with arms on it. It was something that they, it was only reserved for a king. But in the evening time, you know, they said they, they would sit together and they would talk about the day. And the man would go to maybe sit on the floor or sit in a stool, so on a little stool. And the man said, no, you grab a chair and sit by me. He said, I am the king and you are my friend, and you can sit in a chair just like a king. And only a king could allow that. No one else could. And we think of the blessings the king of kings has given you. And it's blessings that only a king could give. Amen. And I, I began to think of this kingdom, and, I, and that word, that phrase struck me, blessings only a king could give. And it's only a king could give eternal life. Only the king of kings, the most high potentate, could give immortality. Amen. Only he could take us out of the miry clay of sinful humanity and choose us that we would sit with him on the throne. Only a king could give us that seat. Amen. 
you know, Brother Random speaks about a king that had a son and, and there was his only son, but one day a murderer had killed that boy and, and the kingdom began to search for this murderer and they finally found him. And when they found him, they beat him and they threw him into a prison and he was to be, a trial was to be set and he's a sentence was to be made. And it was a terrible thing that the king's son had been murdered and they put him in the cell and then locked the doors and, and this punishment he was going to receive. Why? Because he had killed the king's son, the royal king's son and guards were placed around. He was stripped. Nothing left. It was, he wasn't given nothing to eat, nothing to drink. And he was put into a torturous situation. And there was going to be a trial that was to be made. And if he found and was found guilty and proven and he was going to die under capital punishment because he had killed by, and he was to be killed by inches until his life was gone. Sentenced by a judge, he was to die. And as he went to this trial, he begged and cried for his life. And he said, I'm guilty. I'm sorry I've done it. I wish I'd have never done it. I'm sorry I lost my, my temper and I, I killed him in jealousy. And, but one day the king went down to a place to visit the boy, you know, to talk to him and ask him why he had killed his son. And he said, I'm going to go talk to him. And he went down there and he looked in this little cage. And in this cage was a little, looked like a caged animal. He saw a little skinny body, eyes sunken in, face sunken in, his eyes way back, matter in his eyes, and his mouth all whited over, no water, thirsty, laying on his face, crying. And the king spoke and he said, stand up. And he came to him and he looked and he said, why did you kill my son? Why did you kill him with, his, with that sword or that spear? And he said, oh, Lord, Lord it was my, just my ways. He said, I, I don't have no excuse. I killed him because I was jealous of him. And I'm to die under your judgment. I realize that I deserve every bit of it. He said, the only thing I'm crying is I'm just sorry that I killed that royal man like that without a cause. And he said, the king turned his heels and began to walk out. And he screamed out, destroy all the records. He said, see, put them in the sea of forgetfulness. Destroy all the records. Wash him up. Bring him up. I'll bring him to the throne. I'll send down a robe for him. And just a minute, a big royal limousine drove up to the door and a carpet was spread into the prison cell. And the king stood at the end of the way and said, come, my son, and ride home with me to the palace. And he put the king's robe on his shoulder from henceforth. You are my son because he had pity. See, that's amazing grace. And he said, that's grace only the king could give. And he said, that was me and that was you. We had killed the son of God with our sins. We were alienated, dirty, filthy, laying in the cells of this world. But God, by his grace, washed us in his blood and cleansed us and put the robe of the Holy Spirit upon him. And now the great charity of God will back up to the door someday and we'll go to live with him. And all records are destroyed. Hallelujah. That's only what a king could do. The king of kings stepped down into this dimension and he took on our, our past. He took on our failures. He took on our sin and he said, destroy all records. 
Hallelujah. There's not even a record of your sin. There's not a record of the things that you've done. And he said, stand up and come and be at my side. He took you out of the miry clay. He said, no wonder we human beings can sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It was grace only a king could give. Hallelujah. Amen. When we would look at our things that we have done and our past mistakes and our, our past problems and our, our past in general, amen, would look at it and it would be, seem like a terrible thing and we'd be without hope and there would be nothing but Ephesians 2 said, but God rich in mercy. Amen. He's rich. It gives riches that were without sorrow, but he bore our sorrow. He took our sorrow that you could be without sorrow. And he loved you with a great love. He loved you in spite of your faults. He loved you in spite of your failures. He loved you in spite of all the things that you've done. He loved you in spite of killing his son. Hallelujah. Even though when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together in Christ and hath raised us up. He took us out of that old cell. Come on, somebody. Amen. He took us out of that old cell and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In the ages, the unbroken age, in eternity, forever to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Amen. What was it? Jesus chose me. Hallelujah. It wasn't you looking for him. He came looking for you. Amen. He came to the miry clay that you were in. He came to the sinful, dreadful condition, to that cell that had locked you in. And it seemed to be no hope and no way out. And he says, stand up. Come with me. Destroy all the records. This is my son. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. He chose me. He said, you have not chose me, but I have chosen you. It says here, you cannot read it no other way. He says, but in Romans 19, 11, it says the purpose of God according to election might stand. He said, you can't read it no other way. The heart purpose, the eternal purpose of God was to take a bride of his own choosing. And that purpose was in himself and being eternal was decreed before the foundation of the world. It was something only a king could say. It was something only a king could decree. And being eternal was decreed before the foundation of the world. Before there was a sin, you was decreed eternal. Hallelujah. Before there was a sickness, you was decreed eternal. Before there was a doubt, before there was a devil, before there was a past, you was decreed eternal. He said, before there was ever a speck of stardust, before God was God, he was only God as an object of adoration, but there was no one there to worship him, but he was only known as the eternal spirit. He already had you in his mind. Hallelujah. She was existing, you was existing in his thoughts. He said, what about the thoughts of God? They are eternal, are they not? The eternal thoughts of God, let me ask you, are the thoughts of God eternal? 
If you can see this, you can see many things. God is unchangeable in both essence and behavior. Amen. I'm so thankful he's unchangeable. I'm so thankful that my past didn't change what he thought about me. I'm so thankful the things that I've done and the mistakes that I made and the problems that I, I, and the sins I committed, it did not change what he already thought about me in his mind and decreed. Amen. He said, the thoughts of God are eternal. They are real. They're not simply like a man with a blueprint that's drawn up, which one day will be translated into substance and form, but they already are real and eternal and part of God. See, he said that God always had his thoughts for Adam. Adam, Adam, as his thoughts was yet expressed, amen, but he, but he says, as, as it, not written about Adam, but it gives you the idea and knowledge that the thoughts that were in his mind and that thought was eternal and has to be expressed. So when Adam was formed out of the dust and his spiritual being created by God, then Adam became God's thoughts expressed. Moses, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, each one of them were God's eternal thoughts expressed. And you are also God's eternal thoughts expressed. And he has chosen us Where? In him before the foundation of the world. That means that we were right with him in the mind and thoughts of God. And that gives us an eternal quality. Amen. That that we can't get away from. You have been decreed eternal. You have been decreed by the king of kings, the most high potentate, to outlast your enemies. Hallelujah. Your enemy is not eternal. Satan, he has an end. Sickness has an end. Sin has an end. But you will outlast sin. You will outlast sickness. Come on, somebody. You will outlast Satan himself. You have been decreed to outlast your enemy. Amen. He says here, Jesus Christ is in the building tonight to perform miracles, but he does it through his people. He says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, they shall cast out evil spirits. It's the commission. It's the position of the church today, but they don't realize this position. If you know positionally who you are and what you are tonight, there wouldn't be a feeble person in here in the next five minutes. Come on now. Amen. Oh, let's go ahead and recognize who we are. The thing of it is, we're looking off into the millennium or something there to happen when it's already here. Now we are sons of God. Decreed by who? The king. Amen. Not we will be. We are right now. Right now we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you could only recognize that, the supreme authority that Jesus Christ has given to every believer. You have been given supreme authority. It has been given and granted by the king. Only the king can grant someone to use his name or to use his seal or to use his authority. Only a king can grant that. It isn't me that made me this. He hath made me this. He hath placed us here. We haven't placed ourselves here. He put us here. He's the one that pulled up the chair and said, you sit with me. You belong right here to rule and reign as kings and priests. Amen. Jesus, 
The son said, I do nothing of myself, but what I see the father doeth. The father dwelleth in me. He was the Messiah. And with that anointing made him fully Messiah. And he said, with the same spirit that was upon him, he said, not in portion, but the same quality with a portion upon us would make us Messiahs. Amen. Would be little sons of God, adopted sons of God. And his Holy Spirit has sealed us into his body and we are his children. There should be nothing bother us nor worry us. Why? We're his. I believe that we are now the sons of God. Now we will be. We are right now. And now we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He said, now we don't have power, but we have authority. Because it's not our power, it's his. But we have the authority to use the power. It's just like, you know, he says, a little policeman standing out there wearing a uniform. His hat's too big for him. He sits down, he may be over his ears, hasn't got a power to stop nothing. But let him walk out there and the car's coming down the street, hundreds of horsepower engine. Let him raise up that hand and whistle a little bit and watch the brake squeal then. He hasn't got power, but he's got authority. And he said, when a man or a woman is anointed and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he might not be able to read his name in boxcar size letter with education, but he's got authority from God that he's a son of God. Let him take his authority and stand and stand and say, stop. And he said, then you'll hear Satan's wheels slide. Come on, somebody. Amen. Who gave me this authority? The king gave me this authority. Amen. I'm here representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. When I went over to Europe, I didn't go represent as a representative of the United States. I went as a representative of a different kingdom. Amen. That's what I told them when I began to preach. I said, I'm not here as a United States citizen and I'm not here to preach to Europeans, Germans, Belgians, whatever you are. I'm not here. I'm here to preach to sons and daughters of the King. Hey man, I believe we ought to get beyond who we are here on this earth or who we think we are, whether we black, white, red, or yellow. It does not matter, rich or poor. We're sons and daughters of who? The king. And with the, we are sons and daughters of the king that gives us a right to use what the kingdom has. And the kingdom has the answer to the devil's question. The kingdom has the answer to the devil's sickness. The kingdom has the answer to the devil's diseases. And we as a son or daughter of God has a right to say, stop. And he said, then you will hear Satan's wheels begin to slide and brakes begin to squeak. Something will take place because you have been given authority by the Holy Ghost. In my name, they shall cast out devils. In my name. So authority to use my name. I give you permission to tell them Jesus Christ said to stop. Not Timothy Pruitt. I have no power. But he has the power. He said when this great moving power of God comes into a son of God, it quickens him. The Holy Ghost, the spirit of life enters into him. Then what does it do? It seats him then in heavenly places. 
Not they will be. We are now. He says, now we've already resurrected the dynamics and the mechanics. It's going to work quickness with quickness to the presence of God where his spirit is. And now we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Sitting there, that great seat that's already fired up, been raised from the dead. We're part of it. If you're part of the bride, because the bride is part of the groom, you know. So we find out that this same thing should do exactly what's predicted for her to do in this day she won't be a Laodicea and I know we no means a lukewarm but she will be on fire for God she'll be moving on in the spirit of God why the king decreed it to be so he made us who we are Let's let's read about how he made it. Psalms 100 verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. Amen. It's time you look at the devil in the eye and say, hey, he made me. Galatians 5 and verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Ephesians 1, 6, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Amen. 2 and verse 6, And has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1, 12, Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us, us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son revelations 1 6 and hath made us kings and priests he hath made us he hath made us free he hath made us partakers he hath made us kings and priests we are his workmanship god hath made me And there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. He says it here in the revelations of Jesus Christ in the church age book. He says, he hath made us. He said, there are certain truths we need to emphasize. And this is one of them. He, he hath made us. (laughs) The devil didn't make me. He tried to destroy me. He tried to make me into something else that I wasn't. But he didn't make me. He made me. And he said, salvation is God's doing. Salvation is of the Lord, all of grace. He redeemed us for a purpose. He brought us for a purpose. And we are kings, spiritual kings over a spiritual kingdom. And he has made us spiritual kings to reign over this spiritual kingdom. He says in Romans 5, 17, he said, For when one man's offense, death, death reigned by one, much more, they which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 13, we just read, he delivered us from the power of darkness, translated us in the kingdom or reign of his dear son. Right now, we reign with Christ. Right now, we have dominion over sin. Right now, we have dominion over the world right now we have dominion over the flesh and the devil hallelujah you need to recognize what you have in your kingdom he wouldn't make you a king if he didn't give you a kingdom to reign over you why was the devil created that you can reign over him he wasn't created to reign over you he was created that you can reign over him why was sickness given that you can reign over it 
Why was depression given so you could reign over it? Why was doubts given so you could reign over it? Why do we have mind battles because you can reign over it? Hallelujah. Amen. That is why we are here as kings and priests and with a spiritual kingdom to reign and rule as he reigns and rules. And I didn't put myself here. He put me here. Amen. Glory to God. Showing forth his praise and glory. Showing forth himself for it is Christ in us willing and doing of his good pleasure. Yes, indeed. Even now we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and he made us priests. Yes, priests unto him offering a spiritual praise of sanctified lips. Spending our lives as a sweet offering unto him. Worshiping him in a spirit and truth. Interceding and petitioning priests and kings unto our God. No wonder the world don't appeal to us. We're peculiar people. Zealous unto good works. We have been recreated in him to be children like unto our father. And being he is the king. He has things only a king can give. Blessings only the Lord can give. And they are without sorrow. Hallelujah. And tonight, I want you to understand, his coffers are, we're not, we're not serving a temporary kingdom. With all the wealth and the things that the Versailles had and, and showed of how wealthy that place was, they can't even hardly find today even any of the royal bloodline anymore. It was pretty much all wiped out. Gone. And if they were to go back to a king, they, they think they might know who they could pick out of that, that out of, but it's so messed up. They don't, and it, that kingdom, he tried to put so much emphasis on him and his family and what, all, and, and, and to make sure it would continue. It only continued for a few more, a few more years and it ran out. Money ran out, this ran out, that ran out. It was a temporary kingdom. But the king I'm talking about tonight, his coffers are full. He won't run out of healing. He won't run out of joy. He won't run out of happiness. He won't run out of anything. And we should ask abundantly. Why? Because he's a king. He's not a pauper. He's not somebody, he's not even somebody with limited resources. It is untapped, unlimited resources that you have the ability to go to and ask abundantly that your joys may be full. Amen. Brother Brandon, I'm talking about Elijah and Elisha. He says, he said, when they went to cross over the Jordan and, you know, Elijah asked Elisha, what would you desire he said, it's the same stage of the Holy Ghost Church. He said, I want to ask you something. What do you want? And Elisha said, a double portion of your spirit. He said, that's the way to ask for it. Don't be scared. Ask for a whole lot. <laughs> because there's a whole lot there. The only reason you can ask for a whole lot, because there's a whole lot there. Amen. You're, you ask not because you believe not. Ask abundantly that your joys may be full. Ask a whole lot. God, just don't make me a little bit better. Make me all the way well. <laughs> don't just let me have enough religion to make myself miserable. Fill me so full of your, till I have joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
Don't make me where I can take a step back and maybe bow my head once in a while. Make me so I can shout. Make me so I can open my mouth and sing and scream praises to God. Give me everything you got. This is a quote. Let me have the full baptism. Kill me to the things of the world and the people around me. And when I go to church, let me worship you. Amen. Let me give you all the glory. He said, that's what we need tonight is a Jordan experience and ask God for big things. He said, well, so-and-so got healed. She had cancer. Mr. So-and-so was in a wheelchair. He walked. What about you? Let's cross over. Let's cross over and see what God has in store. See, you'll never exhaust God's love and mercy to you. You say, well, I hate to bother you so much, Father. He wants to be bothered. He does. Don't ever. No, I, this, this quote has always really ministered to me and my wife. Don't never think that you could ever ask too much of God. He said, I believe the scripture says you have not because you ask not. You ask not because you believe not. He wants us to ask and believe that our joys will be full. Therefore, he wants you to ask abundantly. Ask for big things. Don't limit your faith to some little mustard seed. Get on out there to some kind of faith. And that's what the problem is. People say, well, only just a mustard seed. And they, they use that actually to limit God. God wants you to have more than that. Amen. It's, he said it's big things are just as easy to receive as little things. Amen. Amen. Maybe you've heard this a thousand times. Hear it again. You just have to believe, that's all. You've got faith, you know exactly how to use it, it'll be all right. You can put it to work and it'll just be fine. He said, could you imagine talking about exhausting God's love and power and beneficiaries for you? Could you imagine a little bitty fish about that long, way out there in the middle of the ocean saying, now wait a minute, I better consider this, I better drink of this water sparingly because I might run out someday. Well, that could be easily done, more easy than it could to ask too much of God. Is this Wednesday night? Hello, check. One, two. Amen. He said it could easily be more easily for a little fish about that long to drink up the whole ocean and exhaust what it has in its vastness and that they're still finding species today in. And it could be more easily done than exhaust and ask God too much. He's the inexhaustible fountain of life. Whatever you have need of, ask him and believe. He provided in the redemptive blessings when he died at Calvary. And he gave a promise to you for everything you have need of while you're in the journey. It's yours if you'll ask and believe it. Could you imagine a little mouse about that long under the great gardens of Egypt? Saying, now, wait a minute. I better not eat just about two grains a day because I might run out before winter's over. Now we know what to call those folks that don't come to service, but every so often they're mice. But it must be there must be their reason. The only reason I can think they must think they're going to run out. And run, God's going to run out of blessings, so they don't want to use them all up. Come on. My run out for the winter's over. He said, that's the way people act as Christians. Get up in the morning and say, God bless my family today. Keep us close to you, Lord. Amen. I've done my religion and go on. Oh, he said, I just really love to lay in that presence. 
and drink it in, don't you? Well, some of you do. And have just a real spiritual gastronomical jubilee. (laughs) Just drink till you can't drink no more. Oh, my. But what if he runs out? What if it ends? He healed yesterday. Can he heal today? We got testimonies of him killing killing cancer and healing brain bleeds and eye diseases and hair diseases and uh, bad accidents and all kinds of things. Can he still do that today? If he's still God, he can. And as far as I know, he's still God. Amen. He said, when a believer is placed in Christ Jesus, you're planted in the in. Can somebody say this? Inexhaustible. Inexhaustible. Other words, unending. Never ending. Can't end. Neither can anything stop it. It's a, it goes beyond what the devil can do to try to hold it down and to push it down and to keep it from coming up. It can't stop from coming. It can't be stopped from coming. There ain't enough devils in hell that can pile on top of it to keep it from happening. When a believer falls on his knees and asks God, he said, ask me anything and I'll do it. That means there ain't enough devils that can keep it from happening. That means there ain't enough doubt that can garrison itself around. Amen. The blessings of God to keep it from coming your way if you'll just hold on. It may be like Daniel when he prayed and it seemed like day after day after day, God didn't answer. But when it came, he said, I heard you on the first day. Listen, your prayers don't just go up to the ceilings and fall to the floor. They go to the throne of God and he heard you the first day. And when those prayers went to that throne, it didn't go to the throne of an earthly king. It didn't go to the throne of some immoral man. It went to the most high potentate, the most high God, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's where your prayers are ascending to. That's who you're in audience with, the king of kings. You're not coming before mortal man. You're not coming before President Trump. You're not coming before the president of whatever. You're not coming before some king here on earth. You're coming before the heavenly king. That he said it would only take just a finger. It's all it takes. And devils has to flee. It takes just a nod. And it's the whole scene has changed. I want to be looking and watching when he's nodding. Think about the king that tried to decree a death to three Hebrew children. He said, if you don't bend and you don't bow, if you don't worship this idol, you're going to die. And he said, oh, king, live forever. But we're not going to do it. He said, well, I'm going to heat it up seven times hotter. He's boasting of his abilities and what he could do and Where's his kingdom at today? But what he failed to realize, there was a higher king that was looking down upon what was going on on earth. And the angels, we know the story, the angels 
looking around and said, God, don't you see what's happening? He said, yeah, I've been watching it. And the Wormwood said, you want me to go? Michael said, you want me to go? He said, no, I'm going to go myself. Because them are my boys down there. Them are my people right there. There's royal blood in them veins down there. They are under a covenant of my son Abraham. Oh, they might be off in a land somewhere and out of their promise and the way, but they still has had they still not have been and bowed to that king's demand. I'm gonna go down and I'm gonna fight for them. Hallelujah. Amen. We know what anybody has said. He said he grabbed a bolt of lightning and down through there he went. And as they heated that fire up and they began to take those men to their fiery furnace and they threw them in there. Amen. The very thing that was meant to destroy the men destroyed their, the men that had brought them down there. Amen. And when they stepped in there, that king on earth said, hey, didn't we throw three men in there? He said, yeah, oh king, we did. He said, but I see four men. And they're walking around in there and they're unharmed, unbound. Oh God. Amen. It may, it may just seem like it's impossible. And the devil may decree and I'm going to make it harder for you. I'm gonna, but he's failing to realize he's not the king. He might be a king for just a moment, but he's still not the king. And he's made it seven times hotter down through seven church ages, but it still ain't hot enough. It's only hot enough to burn the things that binds us and burn the things that hold us. But as soon as you step into the fire, the fourth man will be there. Hallelujah. You have been placed in the inexhaustible fountain of life. Every service, you ought to come and say, God, I'm here again. I want another blessing. I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed beyond measure. I don't want just a halfway service and a little bit of time. I want everything you got, God. I want all your blessings, Lord. Pour it out on me. I believe we ought to be greedy about the moving of the Holy Spirit. I want him to fall in my seat. I want him to fall in my line. I want him to touch me. When I believe Jesus saves me, he says, that's good. What about the Holy Ghost? You believe he'd give you the Holy Ghost? He promised it. What about divine healing? Believe it. He promised it to you. Every redemptive blessing belongs to you. You drink and you drink and you push out. When you receive the Holy Ghost, everything you... I know we read this. We've read it before. Everything you got need of between here and glory is right in you then. How many has got the Holy Ghost? Then you have everything you got need of. Healing is there. Deliverance is there. If you're sick tonight, I would just make my mind up. I'm walking out of here healed. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Why? Because the king's in the place. The king's in the building. And he's seeing you in your mully grubs and your down and outs and the things you've been going through and the things you don't know how to handle. He sees all that and what he says, he don't say to you, well, just continue on. It's going to be all right. One day. He says, stand up. Stand up. Show yourself to be a man. Show yourself to be who God called you to be. Stand in the face of that devil and defy him and say, no, I'm not bending to what you decree." I'm not bowing to what you have and what you said. You're not my king. 
The Bible said ask abundantly. But we're afraid to ask God too much. He says, but you can't over ask God anything. He goes through the fish again and the little mouse again. He said, and they say, well, might run out one day. He said, add 10 billion times of that, 10 billion times to a mouse trying to eat all the grains of Egypt. Or 10 billion times to the little fish trying to drink the ocean. He said, add 10 billion times of that and you'll find out how silly it would be to try to think you could exhaust God's abundant blessing for you. Well, my, ask abundantly. Elisha was going to ask abundantly. I want a double portion of your spirit. What a desire. Don't ever be afraid to ask God big things. God wants you to ask big things. He don't want you to be a little petty and juvenile. He wants to ask you big things that your joys may be full. He, how many times... He said we can multiply it past the mouse and the fish and you would never exhaust God in his power. You would never exhaust God in his mercies to his children. He's an inexhaustible fountain of life. You drink, 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 drink. He said don't think you can exhaust his goodness. Don't think you can exhaust his grace. Don't think you can exhaust his love and his mercy. He said you keep drinking Drinking, drinking, drinking. He said the prophet in the Old Testament, Daniel said in the last days that people will know their God and will do exploits. He said that is a promise. (laughs) You need to look at the devil and say, I promise you I'm going to overcome you. I will overcome you because I have been decreed an overcomer. It's said in my age to him that overcometh. Well, I grant to sit with me in my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. So the only way he could say that or decree that is there has to be an overcomer there. Well, glory to God. Are there any overcomers in the seventh church age? I'm one of them. Hallelujah. And the king said, I could sit in his throne. And the king said, I could have dominion. And the king said, I could have his power to display it in this hour and do exploits. And destroy Satan's kingdom. Amen. The works that I do, the king does, shall you do also. Even greater than this shall you do, for I go to my Father. (laughs) He said, some people think, well, oh, I hate to call on God so much. That's what he wants you to do. You have not because you ask not. You ask not because you believe not. So really, it ain't on God, it's on you. That's what God wants. Ask big things. I'm asking for hundreds of souls in this meeting. He says, Brother Bradham said, I'm asking for hundreds of souls in this meeting. I'm asking that every sick person that enters this door will go out of here well. Hello, somebody. What did you, we got the, the notice today to come here and pray. What did you ask for? Did you ask for just a little? Or did you ask for big things? Was you going before a pauper 
or was he going before a king? That's big things. We ought to expect God to save souls in our services. Listen, you know, people, we made the statement, and I've made it. Just one soul is worth building this whole church. One soul. So one soul is worth 10,000 worlds. One soul. You know, we crossed over the ocean, and one boy was baptized there in that cold, cold ocean. It was terribly cold outside, but he didn't have a church to go home to. He didn't have a pastor to go home to. And God had dealt with his heart in that Friday night service, and he said, I've got to get baptized before I leave here. I don't care how cold it is. One soul is worth crossing the ocean for. But I don't want to limit God to one soul. And I don't believe God went through everything he went through to give us this land and this building debt free for just one soul. I believe God's mind is way beyond our comprehension. And our heart and our desire ought not be one soul, but many souls. Our heart and our desire ought not to be for one family, but many families. Our heart and our desire ought not be for one healing, but for many healings. Listen, if God healed cancer one time, he's going to do it again. If God healed any kind of disease, he's going to do it again. If God brought one prodigal home, he's going to do it again. Amen. We don't have to limit God and say, God, I'm happy with one. I want all of it. I want all of this place saved for the glory of God. I want all of our young people. Amen, I'm not interested in just one out of ten people making or, or two out of a million or one out of a million. I want everything God got. He said, I believe. I'm believing for it and I'm believing it's going to happen. He said, a man said to me not long ago, I don't want to bother God. You know, he's awfully busy. Nonsense. He said, you can't exalt, exhaust his bountiful blessings. He talks about the fish and the mouse again. He said, that's ridiculous to think they could exhaust that. He said, it's many times more ridiculous, a thousand times more, to think you can exhaust the mercies and mercy of a merciful God. He's trying to force his way into you. Mercy. Ask abundantly that your joys may be full. No way to exhaust him like a pump. The more you pump, the fresher the water gets. Just keep pumping and living in the spout where the glory's coming out. He says, we think we'll exhaust his bountiful blessings. We think, well, I asked God to give me my daily bread. I shouldn't ask him too many things. Oh, my. God talks about the fish and the mice again. And he said, just multiply that by 100 billion. And you try to exhaust God's mercy. He's trying to force his way into you. Everything he can, ask abundantly. He wants his people to be happy. Hello, somebody. So if you come into this place sad, God just know God wants you to be happy. The king has decreed that you can be happy. Hello, somebody. Amen. He said that he's asked for great things, believe for great things. You're a city set on a hill. Believe high ambitions, high expectations. Well, mercy, if we see the blind received there tonight, say tonight, I want to see the dead raised tomorrow. And I'll just keep on believing for... Hello, somebody. Mercy, we ought to be believing some for some big stuff right about now. 
Amen. We've seen a brain bleed healed. We've seen alopecia defeated. We've seen cancer defeated. We've seen eye problems. We've seen all kind of miscarriages and God still give life. We've seen God giving life. We've seen God do it. We ought to have faith for all kinds of things. How much faith ought to be in the building right now? Amen. These testimonies I just mentioned, stand to your feet. These ain't little things. These are great things. We got Brother Kenneth sitting back there. The doctor thought he'd be dead a long time ago. How much faith ought we to be having tonight? Hello, somebody. Hey, man, help me see it. How much faith should be we? What should we be expecting God to do in our midst? Now, I can understand somebody not expecting much if they ain't seen much from God. But we have seen a lot of things from the king. And the king has given it to us. And he's decreed that we can have it. And he's given us our healing. He saved my mama from her awful sickness and things. that went. He's come and he's done miraculous things among us. What should we be believing for? More. I want all of it. Amen. You know, we just got the word of Brother Ron. I'm not worried about that. God's already got the answer. I'm expecting God to do great things. The the doctors can decree and they can say what they want to, but they're not the king. They can say to the best of their knowledge and the best of their trained ability, but they're not the last word. The king's word is the last word. And if the king says I'm healed, I'm healed. If the king says I'm delivered, I'm delivered. If he says to me, stand up, I walk out of the cell and erase all records, it's the king's word. And I believe what the king says. Hallelujah. There's a bride here on this earth that's not listening to the words of man or the man's creed. They are listening to the words of the king. And the king says she'll be without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. The king said of a prodigal son that's coming home again. Come on, somebody. The king declared it, and it's got to be so. Why am I going to sit in my doubt? I've seen too much of what the king has in store. Oh, you can just stay to your feet. Let's read this again. And where I started out on this thought, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. These are blessings of the king. Blessed thou shalt be in the city. Blessed in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. Take that devil. You don't have the last words over our body. God's got the last words. The fruit of thy ground, the fruit of thy cattle. Blessed be thy basket. Blessed be when thou come in. And blessed are you going to go out. Woo! Hallelujah. I believe that about a church service. I'm blessed when I come in and I'm blessed when I go out. Hallelujah. Why are you blessed when you go out? Because I've heard the words of the king and the words of the king gave me strength to go from a Wednesday to Sunday and I'm coming back for more words from the king. And the king said, blessed is our basket. Blessed is our store. 
Hallelujah. And the Lord shall, the king shall command the blessings upon thy storehouse. Well, come on now. In other words, the devil can say what he want to, but the king done declared it. And in all that thou settest thy hand to, he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord giveth thee. And the Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself as he sworn unto thee. And if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways, and all the people of the earth shall that, that shall see thee are called by the name of the Lord and shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods and the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy ground. And the Lord shall open to thee its good treasure. And heaven shall rain down upon thy land in this season to bless all the work of thine hand. That thou, are you hearing the king's decree? And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only. In other words, you're never going to be beneath. Oh, the devil may make his boasts and may make his, his arguments and make whatever he wants to say and make it loud and make it plain and say whatever he wants to decree. But his words has no bearing on who I am and what I'm going to be and where I'm going to go. And the king has said, I'm from above and I'm not from beneath. That's what the king said. You say, well, what about... My job, what the king said, you're going to be from above and you're going to bless your hand, everything you do. You, he's got it. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. We've heard a different voice. Musicians can come. We've heard a different voice. One day you used to listen to the wrong voice. Like that old chicken... That eagle in that chicken yard. Bok, 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 bok. Days of miracles are past. God don't do what he does. God don't do that no more. That's only for the prophet. That's the chickens. Chicken scraps. Starving, slapped to death. But all of a sudden, one day, there's a shadow come over and a scream went out. Turn, what did it do? It turned your head from beneath. Right. Turned it to above. And that voice said, you never belonged there. Right. Hey, you never was a chicken. Look, the eagle never was. He wasn't a chicken that become an eagle. He never was a chicken. He was always an eagle. Just born in the wrong place. But there was a voice that called him out of the, another dimension. He said, hey, buddy, you belong up here. Well, how many's heard the king's voice? You don't belong down there. You've been feeding with the chickens. Come on up. Stand up and destroy all records. Put in the sea of my forgetfulness. You never was there in the first place. You came from God and you're going back to God. And there ain't nothing. The devil can do about it. He can huff, he can bluff, he can blow and all he can do. But he can't do nothing about that seed of God on the inside of you. And the more he blows, it ain't nothing but wind to take you higher and higher and higher until you leave this whole world and go to be with the king of kings and lord of lords. How many's going? How many's going? I'm going to that place. 
I'm drawn to another land. This is not my home. Amen. God bless you tonight. Hallelujah.